think that first exposure was also an exposure to my ability to adapt yeah. and just really test myself as an athlete mm. and what kind of athlete that I am, what I was and what I want to be. Yeah, because um, yeah, you get some athletes who are very okay with being playing for the university first team. And that's it. And that's it. And that's fine as well. Yeah. And then you get other players who want to be provincial players yeah. and very good in their province. Um, and you get ones who want to be at the World Cups and the World Stage. Yeah. So there's levels to it. Mm. There's big levels to it, and I definitely respect that out of any athlete. Hello, TSV community. You are now tuned into Golden Generations podcast, where each week we're dedicated to bringing you the most prominent artists who are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. But more so, trying to give you guys some value, inspiration, and motivation to any of you who are looking to move into the creative industry, the business world, and even the sports world. So today is a new month, new episode, new season. It's a new energy. Like, you gotta get amped right now. You gotta get amped right now. Given the special moment that we're experiencing right now, we had to bring in, we had to bring in a spectacular guest. So today we have Sunny Tabata on board, an incredible hockey player. She's been the recipient of the MTN Connect Players Award two times. She's represented the South African national hockey side and she's been the vice captain of the Marty's women's hockey side. So, so Toby, drop that beat and let's get into the interview. What's up everybody? You tuned into Telescope Vision's Golden Generation. Please welcome Sandy Tabata. Thank you. I almost forgot I won those awards, this MTN Connector. Serious? How can I forget? I got so many gigabytes of data. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that. incredible what you've done. Like, it really is so inspiring. And we just are so grateful to have you on. I know a lot of younger girls out there are really going to gain so much motivation and inspiration from hearing your story. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really cool to have this opportunity to be on your page or on your platform, that is. Mm. Um, I'm really excited for this. I've been looking forward to it all week. Really? Yeah, I, I really have been. It's, it's really nice doing a podcast when both people are like just engaged and excited. So I'm really looking forward to it. For me personally, because like it's been like forever, it seems like since I've done a podcast. Like uh. the last time I done one, I think it was in May. And you know when you like don't do a podcast and you're away from something that you really love, mm. you really like start to understand, wow, actually, I love doing this thing. Yeah. Do you get that with hockey? Definitely. I think I've, well, this year specifically, I've spent so much time away from the sport, particularly from January. Yeah. Um, so to kind of keep myself still in it, I've had to like substitute playing for coaching. So it's still able to give me that element of excitement and still be in tune with the sport. Yeah. But yeah, I still miss playing. And getting back onto the pitch will probably take a bit of time mm-hmm. um, and patience. But yeah, I definitely get that feeling of, geez, it's been a long time. Especially when, you know, the restrictions happen yeah. and then you can't really do anything. Then you really have that deep desire to want to play again. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. When was like the first time, not even the first time, but like, when did you start playing hockey as a child? I started playing hockey in grade three. Wow. For the D team. He says? Yeah. No way. <laughs> I was the D team. My aftercare teacher gave me a stick. 
that her son had and you know when you're riding a bicycle and you get like the shoulder pads and the knee and the, <laughs> the knee pads my shin pads or my knee pads yeah. <laughs> my knee pads or my shin pads because you know your black parents would be like we don't believe like you have to really do well mm. before we can get you all the equipment yeah so i just took what i had and just played wow yeah that's crazy like was there anyone around you like that like a, in terms of like an older person that kind of really got you to start taking hockey more seriously um i think being able to go to extra sessions mini hockey i kind of got to grow it as an athlete myself and i started to see that i was actually quite good mm. and so i knew that there was that self-confidence and self-belief in myself but i think what really like shot the dream up was when my my mom told me that my aunt was actually an Olympian. Wow. Yeah, she went to, she went to Sydney wow. Olympics in 2000. And she was the first black woman to make the national women's team. That's so, amazing. Yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot to look up to and I'm not done yet. Yeah. So until I'm able to do what she's been able to do and it's really nice to be able to have someone who's a family Olympian, you know. Wow. Um, so that really has pushed me to be the best that I can be. Wow, has she kind of like, just hearing that story, like has she kind of been like a, a mentor in your life, like in terms of just persevering and continuing just to take hockey seriously? Um, she definitely has and has done that silently. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that we don't talk much, yeah. but I think we both have an understanding that we, her saying that well done or I'm seeing you has been able to kind of push me to be better. Yeah. Um, and a lot of her teammates have also been me- good mentors to me as well. Mm. Um, I had a conversation with Marsha Cox, who was the captain for a very long time. Yeah. Um, very decorated player. And she was, has so much to offer for the sport in general mm. and for some of my teammates. And it's been such a cool aspect to have a player to be able to talk through things because mm-hmm. I mean you can see psychologists and sports psychologists yeah. but I think when you can speak to players who've won who know the game and have been masters of the game mm-hmm. and then other players who've been injured as well um, it's different insight yeah yeah I can only imagine yeah. you need that kind of like stable guidance because especially getting to something like sports you may have the talent but you don't have like just like the insight and just terms of dealing with everything that's going on around you outside you know definitely um because it's so easy to be tunnel visioned in you know to the skill master the skill but there's also your body involved yeah. um and that's something that i had a conversation with um skara and teram tembu yesterday mm. and that's one thing that i actually was able to pick out from them because i asked them what so what do you think separates players who've been injured before versus players who haven't and I think the one thing that came out was that we understand our bodies a lot more. So, Oscar, he didn't play the match today because yeah. he felt that his quad was a bit tight. So, mm. but also maturity comes with that as well. Yeah. And that's one thing me and my sports psychologist speak about is what would feed the ego mm. versus what is the bigger picture. Yeah. And if you're an, an, an athlete that's more on the ego side, you probably will play and you'll get injured even more mm. or worse than what is already your body's told you that something's wrong um, but you just want to play yeah and anyone who's competitive as an athlete they just want to play um, but be hurting our bodies at the same time yeah yeah a cliche is a sound like you gotta listen to your body you know what do you kind of do to kind of ground yourself into your body 
Um, it really is a thing of just. I, I like body scans. I know you, the, a lot of the guided meditations, they always make you do the body scans mm-hmm. so that you're able to pick up which parts of the body are more tense than others. Wow. So when you just close your eyes, you scan, go down from your shoulders to your stomach to your legs. Mm-hmm. I guess you get more in tune and paying attention to what's really tense. Yeah. Because I know that when I force myself to do the body scan, I notice more about my shoulders mm-hmm. and my back. Um, Whereas if my knee's hurting, my knee's hurting. I can feel that it's not liking something. But when you notice that you're doing this most of the time and you're tense, mm. then there's something wrong. Um, well, am I stressed? Am I anxious? What's making me anxious? Yeah. So also those little signs, I think, what I like about the body scan, it, it makes you tap into the other things that aren't as noticeable yeah. until you sit down and actually have the scan and take a look at what's going on. Mm. Yeah. So like do you do the whole body scan standing up or it's like lying down? Um I switch between going on my mat so I like being on the ground. Yeah. Um so I'll sit on the ground so sitting or laying down. Um I've never done the standing up actually. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Like wow, I just learned something new today. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um so as you started developing on with your kind of like your hockey skills and just getting more in tune with the sport um, throughout your high school career like at the age of 16 you were selected to play for the under-21s national hockey side yeah how did that 17. feel? it was cool um, I didn't expect it yeah at all and I think it happened congratulations by the way thank you um, I think I, it happened I just got added to a whatsapp group and then I had to ask Mr. Hibbert like what's going on um, and then, yeah, I just went from there and, I mean, playing high school hockey and going to compete with players who've been playing outside of school, it's, it's a big gap. Mm-hmm. Um, there's fitness tests in high school. What is a fitness test? Yeah. If you don't do those things, yeah. you know? Um, so it really is a different competitive scene. And I mean, the players that were there, they were very good and they were very competitive. So I guess like being young and going to that space, You've got nothing to lose, mm. so you just play what you can, and play your best. Um, but yeah, it was exciting. It was very exciting to get the news. Um, but I do have a feeling that it did change my game after going to that World Cup. Do you think that you were elevated? No. Really? <laughs> yeah. I. I don't know. Something about that experience just didn't make me the confident player that I was. Wow. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, and I think if we go in, it's as little as playing or the time management of, of being able to play the big games yeah. and the trust that your coach or your teammates have in you. Mm. Um, and I guess it kind of also went into self, my self-doubt and my self-belief yeah. was also kind of, after that was a bit different. Mm. I think I, was, I left 2016, so 2016 was my matric year. Yeah. And that was when the, the World Cup happened. Yeah. And I think I was a different player in high school than I was in you know, my first year. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely had to work a lot harder on my confidence. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a space, in a high school space, you can be the best there. Yeah. And then you enter a space where you, you're as good as everybody else or people, everybody else. Someone will always be better than you. Yeah. Um, but it, it also definitely taught me that this is... 
this is national hockey, this is international hockey, and you can't be satisfied with what you're producing at a derby day against Clarendon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you got to be able to be prepared to play against the English. Yeah. Or, you know, the Argentinians. Yeah. So I think that first exposure was also an exposure to my ability to adapt yeah. and just really tested myself as an athlete. Mm. Like what kind of athlete that I am, or I was, and what I want to be. Yeah. Because um, yeah, you get some athletes who are very okay with being playing for the university first team. And that's it. And that's it. And that's fine as well. Yeah. And then you get other players who want to be provincial players yeah. and very good in their province. Um, and you get ones who want to be at the World Cups and the World Stage. Yeah. So there's levels to it. Mm. There's big levels to it. And I definitely respect that out of any athlete. Wow. Yeah. So like, okay, there's like two questions, like, because one of them leads into what I was going to ask you, but like, just going through that experience and how you were talking about how it kind of like hindered your confidence a bit. Mm. Was that whole experience, being the youngest, mm. being amongst like 20 year olds, 19 year olds, who, who have had much more of a experience and level playing in, in, the, in the big, big games, right? Mm. Was that a bit intimidating, being with or playing with players much more mature than you or also more skillful than you? Definitely. I mean, these were players that I looked up to as well. Um, mm. And yeah, I think for me, it's always about when I get into a space, I just want to get my first touch right. Yeah. or get the basics right first and then everything else will come from there. And I think when I play my best hockey is when I'm very confident in myself. I think that's one thing that I've been able to pick up about how I play. Um, but it definitely, the high performance space is a high performance space and it's yeah. tough. It's tough and it's fast paced and the expectations are high. And I think I didn't expect that. Mm. Um, and there's actually this being here now for five years in an actual high performance space, yeah. an institute, I think it's taught me to be tough and to expect a bit from myself as well and from my teammates. Yeah. So what kind of like, so what type of player are you? Because you mentioned about like some people want to make provincial level, that's it. Some mm. people just want to play for the high school first team, that's it. Like, mm. what are your aspirations? I want to be an Olympian. Wow. I do. I'm speaking Paris into existence. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was close to Tokyo. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, couldn't, couldn't go. Yeah. But I, I want to be, I want to be able to perform at the best stage that any athlete can perform at. Mm. Um, and I want to do it well as well. I definitely do want to do it well as well. And to be able to be a team that can compete mm. at that stage. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. That's inspiring. <laughs> like, I can really just hearing you speak and also having seen some of your games like on YouTube, like I can really see that you kind of have that mindset. So who do you, I want to ask you like, who kind of cultivated your mindset? And, or was it you, like you just developed it yourself? I think it's always been there. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that I didn't need support along the way. Mm. Um, sometimes I do need that extra nudge, you know, sometimes when I, when I, my dad would drop me off at the airport before going to a camp and I tell him that I'm nervous. It's like, he'd have to, you know, hype me up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I'd be as a playing a single, um, individual sport. Mm. I guess maybe as playing individual sport has been able to help me with my self-confidence. Yeah. Um, because I played a bit of tennis, I did a bit of athletics, mm. and you've got yourself, really. 
and I guess to 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 believe in yourself helps a lot mm. and then in your team environment you obviously have your teammates to be like you've got this I back yeah. you that's a good hit you know good shot so that does contribution for my teammates really is a big factor in terms of my confidence yeah. and pushing me when I need to be pushed as well or yeah I definitely do rely on my teammates a lot for that as well wow because you even like vice captain of the Marty team right yeah so I was vice captain 2018 2019 and I was captain 2020 oh, okay yeah wow you mentioned such a interesting point early on about like how you were speaking to Skyra about like how he just didn't feel that his quad is right and he had, he decided just to sit the game out like he had that um, emotional awareness of his mm. own body and understanding of what he needs to put himself in a position where he's not going to just burn himself out. Mm. I think also a lot of people, sports players, even like entrepreneurs or even like um, artists, mm. they tend to focus a lot on like having the right mindset, but it's yeah. it's a mo- lot more intricate than that. Like you got to have like a mindset, yes, but you also got to have your emotional set like yeah. heart set yeah. you gotta be able to deal with the trauma childhood trauma you experienced yeah. that can creep up on you and you can have the mindset but now there's no point having a good psychology but you haven't dealt with the trauma hmm. you know <laughs> yeah. and then like also having the, the health set like I can see hockey players are just very fit so you guys have got that aspect unlocked Mm. So you guys make use of your endorphins and serotonin levels mm. and dopamine levels. You're constantly getting yourself in a state of elevated emotions. Yeah. Because your emotions are tied to your experiences. Yes. You know? Yes. So if you're constantly experiencing elevated emotions, you're just going to be feeling good. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you haven't dealt with the trauma and your pain, you're going to experience that as a pain body. And yeah. you're constantly stuck in this feedback loop. Definitely. And I mean you'll have ex- external environmental factors that might trigger those traumas yeah. that will present themselves in ways that you didn't expect yeah. or you didn't know about, um, which is something that's actually very new to me now yeah. and understanding that now. Because I think when you have surgery, your, your body's gone through trauma. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the doctors that told me. Yeah. And that's obviously a physical trauma. Like I still got some numbness on my scar wow. right now. So even when I do certain exercises for my rehab, um, I do feel uncomfortable. But I, one thing that reassurance that my bio gave me was that it's just the um, the body is just sending neurotransmitters to the to the injury mm-hmm. so that it can get used to it again. Yeah. Um, get used to the movements again because yeah. it hasn't been used in so long. Yeah. So it's just sending messages to it to kind of just like wake up type of mm. thing, and yeah, I think not dealing with things they will present themselves again and i always wonder whether my 2019 injury was related to what it has happened again now and my process of of my um, rehab is a a whole lot more different Mm. compared to 2019. i definitely feel in the beginning of 2020 i went to go see our team psychologist and i feel like i told him i don't feel like i've dealt with my injury Mm. i think i'll still I was still upset about it yeah. and it had been six months, eight months mm-hmm. because it was two weeks before my debut. So I was big mad. I can I was, imagine. I was, I was big mad it's about like one it. one of your dreams. It's, like, yeah. Oh. 
definitely and i think dreams are sacred as well yeah. you know so dreams have been taken away from me twice so i think i'm not as salty as i was in 2019 yeah but my my healing has looked a whole lot more different mm. than what it did in 2019 which i think has helped me a lot mm. um like I didn't speak to someone in 2019. Yeah. I just had the body sort of rehab. And mm. no one spoke to me regarding my mind. Yeah. Um, whereas now I'm speaking to a lot of people. Yeah. I'm enjoying the support that I have. And I think it has made me a different person and a different athlete as well. Yeah. Mm. That's so encouraging to hear. Um, so was 2019 your first like big major like setback in terms of your injury? Yeah. So it was during a game, it was an impact injury. Mm-hmm. Um, was it against Vitz? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was against Vitz. And so, yeah, that was the first one. I had a partial tear of my PCL okay. and some bone bruising and meniscus issues. But the severity of the injury didn't require surgery. Okay. So they just we just went with conservative treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got back in of that year, November, I went to a camp. Yeah. for a summer series the beginning of the year yeah. then it was in studies in 2020 yeah. it was with Germany and Ireland yeah. and that's when I got my first cap wow. against Germany yeah congratulations you yeah. must have been so stoked I was stoked um, it was a call up as well mm-hmm. because there was a series in January and there was a series in March against GB mm-hmm. and I made the GB side I didn't make the side for January yeah. Um, but one of the players got injured, so they called me up for it. Yeah. Um, they, I, I knew myself I wasn't ready, um, and the coaches knew that as well, because that was a feedback that we'd, I'd gotten from them. Yeah. But got the call up, it was very exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, dream denied is not a dream. De- is it what, what's, the, what's the saying? A dream denied a, is not a, a. Is a life not fulfilled or something? No, it, something about it being delayed is not denied, but it'll still happen. Something along those lines. Okay. But yeah. Um, so it happened, it was exciting. And yeah, I, I got to wear the jersey. Mm. Um, I got to do that. And then obviously COVID happened. Mm. Yeah. And then we back here in 2021. Mm. Mm. Wow. I mean, hearing that story, like, you got injured eight months, you happened to work on yourself, get, go through rehab, mm. and then you manage to recover, get yourself in a state where you mentally and physically prepared to play hockey again. Like, it's very inspirational that you were able to get that call up, your dreams coming true again. Mm. Like, that must have been, what is your, like, mindset, but also, like, what emotions were going through you on that day? Like, this is the dream, it's still happening. For me, I just didn't want to mess up. Really? I just didn't want to mess up, and um, I was very nervous. Mm. I mean, to have your first game against Germany, who's, like, one of the top four hockey nations in the world yeah it's quite big and it was also nice because it was here in the stadiums as well yeah so it's like you're in your home turf it's a big game against germany so it was really cool uh-huh. um and i just enjoyed the moment mm. i honestly just wanted to tell myself to just enjoy the moment yeah. and just do the basics right yeah just do the basics right and the game went well right yeah okay yeah. that's good <laughs> i really like your quote where you said like whatever you're going through what Make the the setback, make the comeback bigger than the setback. Mm. That was really inspirational, really moved me. Mm. I must say. Thank you. I think it's interesting because 
I don't know. I felt like the whole comeback notion. Yeah. I don't know why part of me it's kind of put pressure on. My, <laughs> it's kind of put a bit of pressure on me. Um, but yeah, I'm trying not not to let it put me under pressure because I know that there's certain goals that I want to achieve next year. Mm. And I think I just I'm a, I like process. I like ticking boxes and I like you know doing things in in the correct steps. But I think also just accepting, you know what, or telling myself that I'm healed, first mm. of all. Um, because it's also another process to trust your body and to trust your knee, knowing that, you know, I can still do that move that I used to do. Mm. Because the moment that you you doubt yourself, I think you get into bad habits. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just one thing that I've had to tell myself, you know what, and what I learned yesterday. Just, I'm healed, mm. you know. I've done the work, I've done the, proce- the steps in the process, I'm healed and I'm going to come back. Mm. Um, so I think the self-talk f- from my side does need to, does need to come up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are those like daily mantras you tell to yourself every day? Yeah. Slowly but surely I have to just tell myself that, um, that, you know, I'm going to come back. Yeah. And it's a bit of like a thing of, whoa. Um, it's not over yet mm-hmm. and I guess when the next match happens or the tournament actually happens it'll start to feel real or when I can actually stop playing stick and ball yeah. and do stick and ball work yeah. it'll feel more real that you know what I'm back now Yeah. Mm-hmm. so you got the, the cap in 2020 like in January right so then you'll still continue to play and training to get into the 2020 Olympics right mm. and you got injured again Mm-hmm. Did that kind of trigger emotions or just trigger your body like into dealing with the first injury? Um, did it like give you flashbacks? Yes, it did. And it kind of just felt like, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. Not the first time, but again. Mm-hmm. Um, so those questions did happen. And it really did suck. It really, really did suck. And I think this time I just had to accept it. I took a long time to actually accept it. I think in 2019, I was a lot quicker to accept it, which mm-hmm. is probably why I didn't feel like I needed to seek other sort of help. Yeah. Um, but this one was just, it hit me hard. It hit me hard. And especially when the team just came out, mm-hmm. um, it, it did, it did hurt. Um, it, it was a bit of like a loss. Um, mm. you know, so it was it was tough to deal with that. Damn, like I'm just processing it now, man. Like you've done so much to overcome like such a big hurdle, and then mm. bang, mm. that happens. Like, what has kind of been keeping you going to kind of like practice acceptance of what happened? Oof. I think. The first thing is obviously just acknowledging the space that I'm in. If mm. I'm feeling sad, I'm, I need to allow myself to feel sad. Yeah. Um, because I think if you push away emotions that you're feeling, then you're not processing correctly yeah. or the processing the most efficiently. Mm. Um, which is something that I tend to do. I think I like to think of myself as a hard shell. You know, if I'm feeling sad, I don't have time to feel sad right now. I'm going to deal with mm. it later. I'll deal with it next week. And I think that's how, how I did much of 2019. But I think one thing that like my friend and 
psychologists have told me is just if I'm feeling sad, I need to feel it yeah. and process it and, you know, just feel everything. Mm. And that helps with moving forward. Mm. You know, I felt this, okay, this is what it is. I can't control this right now. Yeah. Let me not overthink about it or harp on it. Mm. So what's next? So I think just the, th- the process of feeling every single emotion has been important for me to be able to lead to the part of acceptance. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I must commend you on that. Like, everything you've experienced, even now he's hearing you speak, is just so zen. Like, such a, he's speaking with such grace. Thank and like, this is what you spoke about, just being in tune with your emotions and just being present and not trying to push down those emotions. Mm. It's a really good skill to have. Yeah. That's something I, I must commend also this female energy in general. You guys are just very in tune with your emotions. It's something a lot of like male people can learn from. Mm. Um, do you want to kind of tell me the, the fitness requirements getting into the SA like team? And Yo, it is rough. Um, how familiar are you with the sprint repeat? I don't know, you're just going to have to break it down <laughs> every day, you know? So, so sprint repeat, is, it's, I think it's over 25 meters. Okay. And there's five meter cones. Is it like a beep test? Yeah, almost like, mm, beep test is more from like point A to B. Okay. But sprint repeat is five meters back, then 10 meters back, 25, 15 back, oh my math. 20 back, 25 yeah. back, and you got to see, so then the meters add up. Yeah. And I think the requirement for our national team was 730 meters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was reaction in the room. <laughs> I was yeah. dead. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? I've never clocked that in my life. And the fittest people in my team do that. The fittest people in my team. So I'm just like, dude, I need to run as fast as Amy. I need to run as fast as like Lenta. Like that's going there and back every single time. Yeah. Pretty much. It's it's tough. But the women in the national team were able to do it. Um, and then there's another one that we do, we do called... I can't remember the name, but it's also like a doggy almost. So you mm. run to the 25 back, 50 back, mm. 75 back and the full field back. And you have to do it under a minute or under 50 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And you do it twice. Okay. Yeah. So that was a standard for our team. Okay. Um, in the national team. Okay. And... We'd have to test every cycle to see if we're meeting those standards. And we had a biokineticist who would send us um, training material to get to us to reach those goals. Okay. But yeah, the the, stand, the fitness standards, I mean, our team prides itself in the fitness standards. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you got to be able to, to run. you got to be able to run, especially when you won't, yeah. I was saying too much, but yeah, you got to yeah. be able to, to do the running. That must have been such a fulfilling moment when you got selected because you must have trained your ass off just to make me like reach those fitness requirements um it, it was a lot of training um i know that when we had to do the test i had covid at that point in the end of des- december so i got medically exempt uh-huh. from doing the, the 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 fitness test but actually covid affects a lot because there's a whole return to training process yeah because obviously it affects your lungs it affects your heart yeah. So you can't go back into the game and training full force immediately. Uh, otherwise, you just might hurt your heart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I even got to the stage where when the time that I did get injured in the in beginning of the year, yeah. it didn't get to the point where I could like, work towards the fitness 
standard. Yeah. So, but yeah, it is a lot of work. Wow. It really is a lot of work. Do you ever get winder? It's called the winder. Winder. Yeah, okay. the winder. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever get discouraged? Like you know that there's so many hurdles ahead of you, and why why do I have to do this? Like let me just quit now. I definitely felt that when I was on crutches. So yeah. soon after my surgery, I think my mom was here for a couple of days. It was so nice. I couldn't do anything, pretty much. Yeah. I was on crutches. I had the, the knee brace. Yeah. And then she left, and then I was alone. And then yeah, kind of like having to, kind of do everything for myself, yeah. and that sucked. That really sucked. And then the little things would like really upset me. So the bottom of my crutch, the rubber part had yeah. worn out. So this the metal part would still would be exposed. Yeah. And anything that was slippery oh, was just goodness. and that stuff just irritated me. Uh-huh. Because I'll be walking and I'm just like I'm already upset about this thing. Yeah. My crutch is not working. Yeah. I'm slipping everywhere. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like I'm just gonna lay on the ground because uh, like, you know what, I don't know. And I'm over it. I'm so over it. And even when I started doing physio to try get my knee to to bend again, yeah, I was just like, this road is so long. I mean, it was a lot. The recovery is a lot shorter than my first one. Yeah. But this one feels so much longer. Sure. And I really did struggle with that in the beginning. It just everything was just so much longer. If everything felt longer. Um, I had surgery this time. I was alone in the very early stages straight after my surgery mm. and it just things just sucked yeah like me sulk like i was that sulk i can imagine like, like i'm, I'm like sucked. a little type of person like, yeah man, like, what's the point of this you know things just sucked and everything irritated me i yeah. was very irritable at that point as well yeah um yeah so i think the moment that i could start like i'd see my surgeon every now and again either every four to six weeks and yeah, it'll always just be a checkup to see um, cycling when I could start cycling because I struggled with my range of motion. Yeah. But the cycling helped a lot. Okay. So I think the moment you start to see progress, it helps. Yeah. And as soon as you get off the crutches and your range of motion is is getting better, then the recovery process just goes up okay. because there's a long time of it doing this, mm. and then when you move from that stage, things just go up quite quickly. Okay. So I like that. I like seeing that there's progress after each session or week by week. Yeah. Um, it's very frustrating to just not be able to do anything. And I think, yeah, I think it's, it's such a privilege to be able to move your body. Yeah. You, often we take it for granted. We take it for granted. And I mean, I don't care. At least luckily my classes have been online. Yeah. So I haven't struggled with that. But yeah. I remember 2019. This campus is not designed for people who <laughs> cannot get from A to B. Yeah. You know? I mean, getting to the library was tough because you're on crutches and you have to go down all those stairs. I don't know if you've seen the Al Roy play. Yeah. So that just all those stairs to go down to the library, like, yeah, that also sucked a lot. Yeah. Um, but I really was just not feeling my greatest self mm. in the beginning of this year. Can you imagine? Mm. What what kind of what kept you going? Um, 
I guess it was the thing of just having to pick up new hobbies. The one consistent thing that I picked up was cooking yeah. and building up a relationship with food. Wow. Um, which was quite fun. I did enjoy that. Yeah. And I mean, at least I could still have my academic work that I had to do. Yeah. So I guess that kept me going um, in the beginning. Yeah. But also not much. Mm. Um, I really wasn't in the greatest space. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thankfully I was able to get user resources on campus okay. to at least be able to talk to someone. Okay. So yeah, I think having having that support definitely System. helped a lot, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um well, so was the support system on campus your main like anchor? Or did you have like, you know, family members who you really just encourage you like to make you understand that everything that's happening to you is happening for you but you may not see it now it's for, mm. it's for your greater good mm. I think when you're injured you don't want to hear things like that yeah what do you mean you look, look at me exactly like Heike I don't want you to tell me oh, no I don't want to hear that Yeah. you know and I think even some of my friends who would call me they would say they actually don't know what to say you get what I'm saying because I know you're going to say something cliche and when you're in that position, you don't want to hear that stuff. You don't want to hear it's for the better. Bruh, I just missed out on the Olympics. Yeah. Like, bruh, I'm pretty upset. Like, don't talk <laughs> to know? me about don't some talk, Don't talk to me about, like, it, it's, it's fine now. You still have more years sharp. I know that. Mm. But I'm here right now. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm feeling. So I think what I really enjoyed was people being able to hold that space for me to feel that way. Mm. So I think... Even in your community, it helps you. It helps a community understand how do you, how does that person need you to show up for them? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you don't have to say anything. Sometimes it's just a matter of, can you go get my groceries for me? Yeah. You know, because I can't exactly go get groceries. Um, you know, there's other ways to support and to show up yeah. than to have to tell me things that I already know. Yeah. You know, um, could be harsh, but I think. Also, it takes for someone like me who doesn't really like asking for help. Mm. I also had to learn to ask for help. Yeah. You know, um, so I think that's one thing I really appreciate how my friends and my family were able to show up for me, is mm. to do those things that I currently wasn't able to do. Mm. You know, um, yeah, and I think in a lot of ways, when I really was feeling sad, I could feel my dad working through other people yeah. to kind of like check up on me. Mm. Um, and it would be so interesting. It, it really did make me emotional um, because I know that my dad, we had the kind of relationship where he could, I didn't have to tell him if something's wrong. Yeah. He always knew. He just knew. And that's something that I miss so much about him. Yeah. So it really was, I could feel that he was with me mm. and he was working through the people that were close to me to, you know, just randomly check up on me. Because I know there was one time I was not feeling too good. Yeah. And then it, that whole week, people were just checking up on me, checking up on me, checking up on me. So I definitely did feel like um, my dad was working through them to kind yeah. of fulfill the role that he fulfilled yeah. when he was still here, yeah. you know. Um, so that was also very comforting for me. Wow. It's that like spirit connection because I, I kind of mm. get I know exactly what you're talking about I get that with my mom as well mm. like I feel her spirit you know even though she's not sure like I know there'll be times where I'm going through it but I know like hey she kind of just give me perspective like see things from this lens mm. and there's always going to be someone out there who may be going through something worse but like 
there's always going to be someone out there to help you. Definitely. To push you and just help you to persevere. Mm. And I like I definitely feel like there are angels. Yeah. And they will never leave us alone. They're always in our hearts. They will always be present in whatever form and in our hearts. Um so I just I just love the ancestors that my dad is right now. Yeah. Yeah. May they rest in peace. Yeah. Um so you finished the Junior World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Now, was that the end of the, the high school season? Oh. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, I know during that time, you're kind of like getting ready for like varsity, right? So, did you get approached by Marty's to, to play for them? Yeah. So, they offered you a contract? Yeah. Or... We don't really work with contracts in hockey. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to <laughs> get sure. into that. Um, so they do approach you, they'll offer you a, a bursary. Okay. And I mean, they'll, they'll package it in a way that they're going to package it. And yeah. Then, yeah, you work from there. Okay. So you could say it's a contract. Because um, okay. you actually do sign a contract. Yeah. You've got to fulfill certain requirements whilst you've got this. Um, so yeah, they, a couple of universities approached me, but I chose Marty's at the end. What made you choose Marty's? <laughs> um, I got a bit of a nudge from my dad. Yeah. Because one of his colleagues um, works as the director of sport here. Okay. So I think he just felt confident that, you know what, Marty's could be the one. She's, she's got someone that she's, he's familiar with. Um, UCT was also still, like, still doing its Feast Must Fall. Yeah. My parents are not about that. Mm. Um, and UCT's hockey isn't as strong. Okay. So I knew that I was coming to an institution that has the best, you know, sort of facilities and setup and environment mm-hmm. to to be the player that I wanted to be. Yeah. So I think that made it also easy to, you know, go on to that decision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a big culture shock when I arrived here. Jeez, mm-hmm. I think everyone's brating. <laughs> left, right, and center, and all the boys are in Afrikaans, and I'm just like, somebody take me back! <laughs> somebody take me take back! back. What What am I doing here? Yeah. I remember saying to my mom, I was like, "What did we do?" <laughs> like, people, I don't know in res because I was in res as well. Yeah. So they say this um, section. So sections like you stay in this. And how can I say like you know in the boarding house yeah. you have the greatest dorm so they all, but they all have names okay so a section of Afrikaans is sexy so the house committee members be like sexy sexies I'm like oh okay okay you can call me sexy but it's actually no the sections and I'm just like I don't know oh, what yeah. environment this is <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here it's just a lot so I think arriving here was was yeah it was a big shock to the system <laughs> culturally culture shock. a big culture shock and then also as an athlete it was also just this gym there's conditioning there's training sessions there's gym during lunchtime what there's there's training in the evening and there's conditioning and you know there's a whole lot of things that you introduce into your body and it's a schedule that you don't get exposed to in high school at all yeah you know and you're also trying to figure out where your classes are what classes you're gonna miss or what you know when you're gonna have lunch because it's rare you have scheduled lunch times yeah sometimes come back from training and then the dining hall's closed so you waste your money at en route yeah yo that thing destroyed my bank account yeah yeah so I think but I love it now mm, I love is. the space I love 
the 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 depth that Martis has to offer. Okay. Because I mean, if we look at our club in the women's teams now, the first three teams are incredibly competitive. Yeah. You know, and it's always a constant battle. I mean, there's twenty five people in our high performance squad, but I mean, eighteen of them will be in the Marty's first team and then the rest will be in the second team sure. and we've got some players in our second team who are in the national junior setup. Sure, so competition so is fierce. Competition is fierce and I think that's the nice thing about being at Martin yeah. it exposes you to that and I mean we've got the gym we've got and they're very folk they're very much orientated around the full athlete um, uh, so it's not just the gym and the playing on the field they do focus a lot on the psychological aspect and the community aspect yeah. and your academic aspect. So I think I, I enjoy those values. Um, mm. And I think for me, it's just like I haven't played a full season since 2018. Mm. You know, it's been three years since I've played a full season, yet they're still supporting me. Wow. You know, I think that's something that I'm very, very grateful to be in that space where, you know, even though you're not, I'm at my lowest, yeah. But they still they're not gonna discard me. Yeah. So I really value a place that offers that. Yeah. Um so yeah. How do you deal with losing? I don't consider myself a sore loser. I don't like losing when you've done well. Mm-hmm. Um I guess that's also with the team that I've coached, is that it does hurt when we played so well but then we let ourselves down yeah. by not being able to convert. Um but I love to win. Yeah, I love to win. I love to be also the underdog. Um, I do love the fight of that. Yeah. And, but I don't consider myself a sore loser. Okay. I don't think, no. I'm okay if, if we played our best and, yeah. I like to control the controllables though. Yeah. So the moment that we let ourselves down in terms of those, that mm-hmm. aspect, then I might not be that happy. Okay. Yeah. So I can see, like, just hearing you speak, you just got a, a winner's mentality. Mm, yeah. It isn't, I like to win. Yeah, everyone does. <laughs> everyone everyone, everyone likes like to win. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, what kind of, like, fuels your your winning mentality? Like, what kind of, like, core pillars do you kind of gear yourself into your head to make sure that, okay, let's say, for example, you got a game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What do you do to get in the zone? Mm. I wouldn't say I have like a routine or superstitions mm-hmm. or anything like that. I think I, I don't want to be too tense about it because mm-hmm. um, then I start to overthink. And I think one thing that I do want to make sure before I start playing the game is getting my first touch right mm-hmm. because it can really throw things off if your first touch is not right because if it's bouncing there, it's bouncing there. You can't do what you want to do. Um, and I like to be, I like to be in flow when I'm playing. Yeah. Um, so I really just try to tap into that as much as possible. If if it's a big game like a varsity cup final, yeah, I'm still trying to work at how to deal with big pressure or you know how to bring out that BMT and how to rise for the occasion. Yeah. You know, I think I can do that very well for my teammates. Like get everyone pumped up. Yeah. Like I love to be that that's that person for everyone. Even now that I'm injured, I'm even at the games, I'll be yeah. on the bench. Okay, bomb squad, you know you really go make a difference, go make an impact. Um but I think when I feel like things are going on I do get a bit quiet. Yeah. Um so yeah I, I for me it's really just about doing the small things right. Okay. Um 
I think that helps me feel just, you know, okay, I can tick that box. Okay, that's going well. That's mm. going well. I can execute this. Maybe I can take a risk there. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I think I, I'm, I, there's a type of player that I want to try experiment to be when I get back, which I'm quite excited about. Uh, can you share with us? Um, this is one German. So I play, now I'm playing more the defensive line okay and the outside i call it the wing back yeah so i want to implement being that type of wing back player um because i know the german women's team they have a player who literally just creeps and always yeah. creaming up and down you got to yeah. be quite fit for it to do it yeah um but i feel like m- most of my playing career i've been in the midfield i'm okay. an attacking player okay so i think it's for me to be able to still have that attacking flair yeah um or attacking sort of part of me yeah um to go forward okay um i yeah so i think that's something that i want to experiment to do be the one that to creep because yeah. no one marks the player that creeps that's so true nobody marks that player i don't know it. so if i could be a mix of horn who's that german women's player and a bit of kdb i'm yeah. a big kevin de bruyne fan um i think he's got a, such a good distributive skill yeah. and he's able to pick up his players like and I think the players know that Kevin, yeah. when he passes the ball, he's going to pass it there. You're going to receive it. And you're going to receive it. You're going to receive it on your foot like this, or you're going to receive it, you know? And wow. I think to be able to have that sort of skill set, I'd love to be able to do that. Wow. Yeah. What players do you kind of like look up to? Like, who have been your like key inspirational players? Mm. Um, I'd say I'd like Dan Carter. Yeah. Because of his flow. Yeah, and he makes things look beautiful. Yeah, um, I like KDB because of his distributive skill, and then um, in hockey, who would I say that I actually really enjoy? I don't think I have somebody as of yet. Besides the woman that I told you about, yeah. I enjoy how she plays, yeah. and as a team collectively, I love how the Dutch play. Okay, um, very just meticulous, pay attention to detail. They just on top of it. Yeah. They really are just on top of it. And their skills are just that good that it's difficult to like, make them crack. Yeah. Um, so I admire that a lot about their team. Yeah. Um, and their craft. Yeah. yeah. I mean, tracking like your hockey career so far, like you've always just had that leadership quality, like you were captain of the hockey side, right? In high school? Mm-hmm. Vice captain. Vice captain, yeah. okay. But then also like you were vice captain of the Marty's team. Mm. So what kind of like attitude or mentality do you kind of try project not project but like try and instill in your teammates just to make sure that everyone's performing at a high level that's one thing that i like to own as um as a player is that i'm always going to f- push you to be the best that i know you to be okay so that's one thing that i like to own as being that person in the team yeah but also knowing what to, how to get my teammates going Okay. So if you're someone who's not having a good game, yeah, maybe I need to talk to you in this way. Okay. But if I know another player who prefers me to tell them you're playing like ass, yeah, like you, you playing you playing like nuts, I'm a, you need to do better. Okay. So I I, I, I hold that to my teammates and I want to be that for my teammates. Yeah. Where I'm, if they know that I'm in their team, yeah, I'm gonna push them to be at their best. Wow. Um, yeah, and I think. For myself, I just I just don't want to be complacent. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, 
always adding to the skill set yeah. and yeah just being able to offer to the team more than just in leadership yeah. and as a, to be an asset to the team um through my through as, through as a player those are some really great qualities i like the fact that you don't like being complacent because i was going to ask you what what's going to be next now once you fully recovered like do you just want to make it back into the south african national side and then that's it or like you obviously said you want to make it to the olympics yeah so that's that's obviously a three year three year goal yeah because i mean next year there's exciting tournaments there's the commonwealth games next year okay. in birmingham and there's also the world cup yeah and afcon the beginning of the year so that's something that i'm really i'm looking to try and get back into the team to make those teams to go up. Mm. um so that'll be the next like six months of next year okay but i i think there's a couple of things that i've picked up that i know i need to add to my my tray of sk- my skill set mm. um that will just also help me set myself apart mm. to somebody else who's maybe on the like if maybe it, it comes to selection and i'm player 17 18 they pick me because i can do this i can do that 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 you know um so that's those things other things that I want to be able to work on that hopefully don't make me player 18 mm-hmm. but make me player you know who's in the sets the core or whatever mm-hmm. it may be um, that's my personal goal for myself going forward and I really would love to um, go and test myself um, outside of the country as well mm-hmm. so play for a club overseas mm-hmm. at some point in the career um, I'm really looking forward to that as well I think mm-hmm. That'll make it exciting. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of what's next or what's there to look forward to next. Okay. Mm. So what kind of like advice would you give to like a high school girl now who's very good at hockey? What advice would you, given all your experience so far, would you give Mm. to them to try to navigate the hockey world? Mm. I'd say to them that... Sport really can, from what it's taught me, sport has taught me a lot about myself. Yeah. And there's also life outside of sport. Yeah. Because I think being injured has taught me, you know, establish my purpose early. Mm. So that when I've, it's when my body has forced me not to play, I at least know who I am. You know, and I think that's maybe a good driving force for anybody to have. Mm. is establish your purpose early and knowing that there's actually a life outside of the sport that you're playing and literally just enjoy it um it's a lot of fun and you make a lot of great memories from the game and yeah. i've a lot of my best friends are from sport from hockey yeah so i think it's really team sports are really so much fun yeah and just always the bar you can always set the bar for yourself at a certain stage yeah but always be prepared to set it higher yeah or know that there will be somebody else who set the bar higher yeah so i think yeah it's an exciting journey to go through wow mm. and that's some solid advice i'm gonna ask you final two questions what's your why stressful what is my why and i mean this is something that we actually speak about in our national team i think it's also to just Knowing my why right now would be to make the experience of any other athlete not necessarily be the same as mine. Kind of make it 
easier for them to have access to things mm. um, that I might have discovered late. And also for, for at least to know that there's a place that they can go to. Mm. Um, that's one thing that I, I really would love to make known of. Yeah. Um, because I sometimes I get a bit nervous to approach people. But I'd love to really be someone who's approachable to be able to have these sort of discussions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think for now that's that's that, and I think I know that I'm constantly want to stretch and to evolve, and I want to be deliberate about that. Mm-hmm. There's still so much for me to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Last question. So, put yourself in the scenario. It's. Not saying it's, but you you retired. You retired hockey player now. What would you like people to have known you as? What qualities and what or accolades would you have liked to have achieved before you have retired? And mm-hmm. also, what would you have liked to be known for? I think um, I'd want to be able to be known for the player that's always been able to stay relevant. Mm the player that's always been able to rise to the occasion and to really be the people's player, the player's player. I like that. Um, I think those are three things that I'd love to have in my retirement speech if someone was to give it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, that, those are some really cool, like, grounded principles, but some inspiration as well for someone listening right now. I just want to thank you for being on this podcast. Like... I learned so much about, especially about just dealing with the trauma from hearing your experience, mm-hmm. but also just I'm I'm feeling so inspired right now, like being able to go through so much, yet still staying determined and motivated to get back and achieve what you want to achieve. So I'm really wishing you that best, and I'm I know that you're going to make the Commonwealth Games, you're going to make the AFCON team and mm-hmm. the Olympics team. 2024 right yeah yeah so i'm really wishing you all the best and godspeed thank you so much thank you so much for being such a great host and that's a wrap folks thanks so much for listening thank you so much to sandy sabata for being on board the episode we really are grateful for you we are so inspired from an inspirational story you really showed us the power of perseverance, practicing self-love, practicing acceptance, but more so the art of discipline and determination. If you keep your mindset on achieving something, you can do it. You're gonna have some obstacles, but you overcame them. So we really are grateful for you and wishing you nothing but abundance, prosperity, and the manifestation of all your dreams coming into fruition. Special shout out to the main man, Silver Toby. I always say this, but you guys, I'm sure can tell by now, this guy's production and his beat making just gets better and better each time. I'm always left feeling amazed. So if you want to check out more of his music, you can follow him on Instagram, but you can check out his music on Apple Music and Spotify. His handle is Silver Toby. So that's S-O-B-E-R-T-O-B-Y and you definitely won't be disappointed. You can also take a look out for our upcoming merch dropping soon. You can check it out on our website, telescopevision.co.za. 
and you can also take a look at our campaign and lookbook shots shot in the beginning of January and also the ones shot in 2020. And if this is your first time tuning into the Golden Generation episodes, if you really like this episode, I'm going to ask you for two things. The first thing, subscribe to the podcast and turn on your notifications so that you can get alerts to when new episodes are released. And the second thing is, go take a look at our other episodes. We have a huge list of catalog of episodes that you guys can just indulge yourselves in. You definitely won't be disappointed. We are here to serve you guys. And with that, I think we can get into our daily words of wisdom. I think in life, every single person should know that there's going to come a point in your own life where you're going to have to come to the realization that no one's going to save you. If you're trying to incorporate change into your life, you have to make the decision that you're going to change for the better. You may come into hurdles, you may encounter obstacles. Those are only pins. Those are only fuel to ignite your purpose even further. Turn tragedy into triumph. No one expects excuses. No one's going to feel sorry for you. You've got to go out there and get it. And remember, see for what it is, not for what you want it to be.